You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, as I said, the, the title of this message is Gifted and Talented. Now, you know, when we, we think of gifted and talented, you know, we think of, of people that, you know, just have these natural-born abilities, right? You know, maybe maybe it's like, like a gifted athlete or maybe somebody who's gifted intellectually, you know, kind of like, like Albert Einstein. Now, the interesting thing about, about Einstein was that the story says that Einstein didn't even start talking until he was four years old, and he didn't start reading until after he was seven years old. In fact, there was a, a grade school teacher who, who, who said that, 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 that Einstein was, quote-unquote, mentally disabled. I bet they, they regretted saying those words, you know, kind of like the, 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 the junior high basketball coach who said Michael Jordan couldn't play basketball. Uh, you know, and so they said that, that Einstein was mentally disabled. In fact, the same thing happened with, 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 with Thomas Edison. A grade school teacher said that Thomas Edison was, quote, too stupid to learn anything. And yet these are men who go down in history as some of the greatest minds of all time. We would say that they were gifted and talented. Well, now, uh, listen to this. It might surprise you to hear that as far as God is concerned, you are gifted and talented. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and we're going to see that God has given you spiritual gifts, that God has a plan for you, that God wants to use you. Now, years, years back, Dwight Moody was famous for saying that, that, that we may easily be too big for God to use, but never too small. And listen, maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you feel like, like you're too small for God to use the likes of you. But listen, no matter how small you might feel, I'm here to tell you that God has big plans for you, that God has given you spiritual gifts. He's given you at least one spiritual gift. In fact, uh, he's probably given you more than one spiritual gift. Uh, how do I know he's given you a spiritual gift? Well, verse 7, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And so you have spiritual gifts. And so in this message this morning, we're going to discover a few things. Number one, we're going to discover the difference between spiritual fruit versus spiritual gifts. The difference between spiritual fruit versus spiritual gifts. Number two, we're going to learn the difference between spiritual gifts versus physical talents physical talents. And then finally, we'll discover the purpose of spiritual gifts, the purpose of spiritual gifts. So now with that, as we go back to the first three verses, let's talk first of all about the difference between spiritual fruit versus spiritual gifts. And so verse one, Paul says again, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, we mentioned this last week, but, but that word gift back there in verse 1, when, 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 when the Apostle Paul says now, he says concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, we, we pointed out last week that, that in the original Greek manuscripts, that word gifts was not there. It does not appear in the original manuscripts. It was, it was inserted, it was added later by the English translators to make the passage read and flow a little more smoothly. But if you're reading from the Greek manuscripts, it would just say, now concerning spirituals. Now concerning spirituals. In, in fact, some English translations render it this way. They say, now concerning spiritual things. Now that, 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 that banner of, of, of spiritual things, well now that could include uh, 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 one or two different categories. 
On the one hand, it could include spiritual fruit, but on the other hand, it could include spiritual gifts. Spiritual things, spiritual fruit or spiritual gifts. But listen, they're, they're not the same thing. There is a difference between spiritual fruit versus spiritual gifts. For example, speaking of spiritual fruit, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now that would be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But now that's different than the gifts of the Spirit. Now, uh, here in chapters 12, 13, and 14, we have a detailed list of the spiritual gifts. Now, by the way, this might be a detailed list, but it's not a complete list. If you want a complete list of the spiritual gifts, not only do you need to read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, you also need to read Romans chapter 12, and, and also 1 Peter chapter 4, and also Ephesians chapter 4. Now, a lot of you are just kind of looking at me, so let me say that again in case you want to write that down. It would be 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, and then also Romans chapter 12, and then also 1 Peter chapter 4, and then in addition to 1 Peter chapter 4, also Ephesians chapter 4. And when you study all those passages, that's when you discover there's somewhere between somewhere between uh, 18 to 21 different spiritual gifts, depending on how you parse the Greek. But what we're going to discover this morning is that there's four major differences between spiritual gifts versus spiritual fruit. For example, difference number one, if you want to write this down. The first difference is that spiritual fruit deals with, with character traits. It deals with character traits. You know, when you think of those things like, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are all marks of character. They're character traits. But, but, but spiritual gifts are, are different. Spiritual gifts really speak of, of, of your spiritual capabilities, your, your ability to do something spiritually, your, your spiritual ability to, to, to do something for the Lord. So one deals with character, the other deals with abilities. That's difference number one. But then difference number two is that spiritual fruit develops gradually over time. You know, you, 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 you grow in these things, you grow in these character traits. You know, you become more loving, you become uh, you know, more uh, gentle, you become more kind, you, you get more self-control. These develop over time. However, spiritual gifts, on the other hand, uh, those are given to you instantly, and, and typically it happens when you first get saved, when you first become a Christian. And so they're, they're given to you instantly. And so at, at the same time, you know, maybe you're, 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 uh, you, you might develop that gift over time. You, you might hone your ability to use that gift. You know, the, the longer you have that gift and the more you use that gift, the better you get at using that gift. But nevertheless, you receive the gift instantly. So one you develop and the other you receive instantly. Then difference number three is, is that spiritual fruit is available to all Christians. It's available to all Christians. You know, it's not like God just says, hey, you know, this guy over here, you're going to get patience, but you, you're going to get joy and you, you're going to get some self-control or, or you're going to get a little more gentleness. No, all of the fruit of the spirit is available to all Christians. So that again, all of the fruit of the Spirit is available to all Christians. But it's different with, with spiritual gifts. You see, with spiritual gifts, while, while, while it might be true that each of us has a spiritual gift, it's not true that we all have the same spiritual gifts. 
We're going to see that we all have spiritual gifts, but we all have different spiritual gifts. And so we can all have the same fruit of the Spirit, but we all have different gifts of the Spirit. That's a difference. And then fourth and finally is, is that spiritual fruit is something that, that, that is a sign of growth. It's a sign of maturity. You know, the more, the more you grow in God's Word, the more you grow in your walk, the more you grow in your relationship with the Lord, the more your character grows. You know, the, the longer you walk with the Lord, the, 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 the more patient you become. The longer you, 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 you walk with Him and the more you grow in Him, the more loving you become, the more self-control you get. You grow in spiritual fruit. Whereas on the other hand, spiritual gifts, you know, it, it's, it's not a, a mark of maturity. Fruit's a mark of maturity, but spiritual gifts, it, it's quite possible to be spiritually gifted, but at the same time be spiritually immature. In fact, when you think about it, that describes the Corinthian church. If you remember last week, we said that the Corinthian church, they were gifted, but ignorant. They were gifted, but ignorant. Now we know that they were gifted because all the way back in chapter one, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul said, you do not lack any spiritual gift. And so they were gifted. In the Corinthian church, all of the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, and yet the Apostle Paul later on confronts the fact that they were lacking spiritual fruit. In fact, what's interesting, when we get into chapter 13, in the context of talking about spiritual gifts, Paul all of a sudden confronts them and corrects them when it comes to love. Yet they evidently had a lack of love in their church. And so in chapter 13, he says love is patient and love is kind and, and love doesn't boast and it, it doesn't seek its own. Now what's he doing? Well, he's telling this church that had all the spiritual gifts that they lack the fruit of love. They had the gifts, but they lacked the fruit. And then likewise in chapter 14, uh, the apostle Paul then confronts that they lack self-control, which again is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so in chapter 14, he tells me, you know what? When you speak in tongues, two, three at the most, and there better be an interpretation. He says, you know what? When, when you prophesy, two, three at the most, and the rest need to, need to judge the prophecy. You need to make sure that it's actually from God. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 14 to say, all things are to be done, but decently and in order. He's confronting the fact that there was no self-control in this church. And so they were gifted. They had the gifts of the Spirit, but they lacked the fruit of the Spirit. And so because they, they, they lacked the fruit of the Spirit, they were abusing the gifts of the Spirit. And, and the result was, was, was total chaos, total pandemonium. In fact, you may remember that the Corinthian church, this church who, who did not lack any of the spiritual gifts, is the same church that also struggled with homosexuality and, and prostitution and incest and, and drunkenness and gossip and divorce. And, 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 and division. And so what we're, what we're seeing is, is that the Corinthian church in many ways was, was living proof that you can have all of the spiritual gifts and still lack spiritual fruit, still lack spiritual maturity. So there's a difference between spiritual gifts versus spiritual fruit. And now with that, as we pick it up in verse four, now we'll talk about the difference between spiritual gifts versus physical talents. And so in verse 4, Paul says again, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So we notice this word varieties, or, or diversities in, in some of your translations. And so he's saying that, you know what, not all the gifts are the same. There's, there's all these varieties of gifts. There's this gift and that gift, and this gift is different from that gift, and, and this, this gift is different from that gift. 
Now, not only are all the gifts different from each other, but there's also a difference between spiritual gifts versus physical talents. And by the way, that's not always that easy to tell the two apart. You know, a lot of times we accidentally call things that are physical talents when we call them spiritual gifts. And so I think the best way to look at it is, is to say this, is to say that, that your natural talent was, was, was an ability that was given to you at your natural birth, whereas your spiritual gift is an ability given to you at your spiritual birth. Or to put it another way, uh, your, 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 your physical talent is, is a natural ability to do something where your spiritual gift is a spiritual ability to do something. And so, you know, someone might, might, might have been born with some natural abilities. You know, they just have the natural talent, the natural ability to, to work with wood, or, or they're just naturally good at numbers, or, or they, they, they have the ability to sing. Now, by the way, and this always confuses people, singing is not a spiritual gift. When we look at the, the list of, of, of spiritual gifts, it's not on the list. It's, it, it's a physical talent. Now listen, some of you may be more talented than others, and some of you might be less talented than others, and you know who you are. But the good news is, you know, the Bible says make a joyful noise, right? You know, like the, like the little girl that went to church with her grandma, and, and, and the soloist got up, and she sang, and the little girl said, Grandma, she's not a very good singer, is she? And she turns and says, well, honey, she, she sings from her heart, and that's what makes it good. So later on, they're in the car, and, and they're listening to the radio. A song comes on. Grandma starts singing along, and little girl says, Grandma, you sing from your heart too, don't you? <laughs> A lot of us in this room are just singing from our hearts, right? Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, listen, I, I've told you this before, but 25 years ago when I planted this church, I was the first worship leader we had. I got up with my guitar and I sang and, and you know, and listen, the Bible says glorify the Lord, but when I did it, I horrified the Lord. That's why I'm not the worship leader anymore. Everybody's got to learn to stay in their own lane. And so th that would be a talent. And so we have a talent to do this or a talent to do that, but then again, you, you know, you, you might have a, a, a spiritual gift. Like maybe the spiritual gift of teaching or, or the spiritual gift of evangelism or the, the spiritual gift of this or the spiritual gift of that. But, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that both were actually given to you by God and both should be used by you for God. They were given to you by God and they should both be used by you for God. Reminds me in the Old Testament of a guy named uh, Bezalel. By the way, do not name your child Bezalel. Because when they're in trouble, you're never going to be able to say that. You're going to be like, you, get over here. But we meet this guy in the Bible, Bezalel, and, 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 and he's sort of this, this, this general contractor, kind of this, this jack-of-all-trades kind of a guy, this guy that's just good with working with his hands. He's kind of like good at everything he does. And so when we meet him in, in Exodus chapter 31, verses 2 through 5, it, 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 God says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Now we'll pause there. But what this is telling us was that, that God had called this guy. This was the call on this guy's life from birth. What was the call on his life? His call was to help build the tabernacle of God. And so he had a call in his life. And so he says, see, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Verse 3, and I filled him with the Spirit of God. So I said, the Spirit of God. He says, I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, uh, to work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, and in carving wood, and in work uh, in all manner of workmanship. 
That's what it's saying is, is that God had a call on this man's life, even from birth, and the call on his life was to help build with his own hands the tabernacle of God. And God is the one who gave him those physical abilities to do it, the physical talent to, to do that, the, the, the talent to work with metal, with, with gold and silver and, and bronze, the, the talent to work with, with jewels, the talent to, to work with wood. And so what we see is, is that both your physical talents and your spiritual gifts both come from God and so therefore should both be used for God. Or, or as Brendan Francis put it, he said, if you have a talent, use it in every which way possible. Don't hoard it. Don't dole it out like a miser. Spend it lavishly like a millionaire intent on going broke. And so he's given you these talents. He's given you these gifts not for you to hoard, not for you to collect, but for you to spend, for you to, to, to use, for, for you to use them in his body for his glory. And so there's, there's a difference between spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts. There's also a difference between spiritual gifts versus physical talents. And now as we pick it up in verse 4 again, verses 4 through 6, we're going to also see that we all have different gifts and we have different ministries. And so in verse 4, Paul says again, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So now we notice the, the, the word varieties. Again, some of your translations will say diversities. But it comes from the Greek word diaresis. And it's an interesting term. It can be translated uh, differences. It can be translated distinctions. But really, it, it, it's a word that, that, that conveys the idea of, of arranging things by their differences. Arranging things by their differences. In fact, originally, it was a musical term. It kind of paints the picture of, a, of an orchestra where you have the conductor who, who's arranging the musicians according to their differences, according to, to, to their distinctions. And so you have a different section here and a different section there. You've got, you've got over here the string section. You've got over here the brass section. You've got the percussion section over here. And yet the idea is, is that although they're, they're broken up by their differences, they're broken up by their distinctions, they've all been arranged beautifully to, 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 to work together to form one harmonious orchestra. And so Paul is using that word to, to, to paint the picture of what the church is supposed to look like, what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Saying that, you know what, in the body of Christ, there's, there's all these different spiritual gifts and, and there's these different ministries and there's these different activities. And yet, they, they, they've all been beautifully arranged together by the same Holy Spirit so that, so that you can form one harmonious body, the body of Christ. And so he says, again, that there are varieties or, or, or diversities of gifts. Translated, we don't all have the same spiritual gift. We all have different spiritual gifts. One person has this gift, somebody else has that gift, and someone else has this gift. We have different spiritual gifts. There are varieties of spiritual gifts, and then he goes on to say that there are also varieties or diversities of ministries. And so here's the idea. The idea is, is, that, is that two people can have the same spiritual gift, but then use them in two different functions. Use them in two different ways. Use them in two different ministries. You know, so for example, uh, you know, Billy Graham, obviously in his lifetime, had the gift of evangelism. And he was very effective. You know, he was very effective to, to be able to stand up in large crowds and, and preach the gospel. And, 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 and when he did, he always had that same altar call, right? He'd always be like, come. If you want to receive Jesus, just come. Come as you are. And, and they did by the millions. 
Millions and millions came to faith because of the ministry of Billy Graham. But then again, maybe you have the same gift, the gift of evangelism. But then again, you know, maybe your thing is not large crowds. You know, maybe large crowds are very intimidating. Maybe you freeze in front of large crowds. In fact, maybe you're more effective one-on-one. Maybe you're more effective sharing the gospel with a coworker or, or going door to door or, or sharing the gospel with, 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 a, with a classmate or sharing the gospel uh, with, 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 with somebody that you met at the gym or met at the grocery store. You know, or then again, there's the gift of teaching. You know, you know, I might have the gift of teaching and maybe you have the gift of teaching as well. But maybe the way I use my gift and the way you use your gift are different. Now for me, my ministry, when I use the gift, happens to be from the pulpit. But maybe your ministry, the way you use your gift, maybe it's in the classroom. Maybe it's in the children's ministry. Maybe it's in a home group. But now listen, if I try to use my spiritual gift in your context, I'm going to fail. Because I'm going to show up to your home group and I'm going to bring my pulpit. And I'm going to be all like, you know, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The title of this message is, is Gifted and Talented. You'd be like, chill out, dude. It's a home group. And so there's there's different gifts, there's diversities of gifts, there's varieties of gifts, and there are varieties of ministries. And then he goes on to say that there are varieties of activities. Now this word activities in the original energema, it, it literally is a word that we get the word energy from. Energy. What it's saying is this, it's saying, you know what? It's his energy, it's his power working through you. It doesn't matter what the, what the gift is. It doesn't matter what the ministry is. It's his energy. It's his power working through you. And so listen, maybe you have the gift of evangelism. And, 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 and so you go and you share the gospel with someone and maybe they get saved. They come to Christ. Now listen, if they got saved, it wasn't because of your wonderful preaching. Rather, it was because of his power, his energy working through you. He did it, not you. So therefore, he gets the credit. He gets the glory, not you. And so there's different gifts, there's different ministries, but there's one and the same Spirit who works through you. And now on that note, verse 7, we come to the purpose of spiritual gifts. In verse 7, he says again, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now we mentioned this last week, but that, that phrase common good, sumphero in the Greek, it, it can be translated profit, it can be translated benefit, but it really means advantageous together. Advantageous together. In other words, when we're gathered together, there's an advantage, but when we're not gathered together, there is no advantage. We're advantageous together. And so the idea is, is that the gifts of the Spirit were given to the common good for the whole body. And so the picture is that, you know what, when I use my spiritual gift, and when you're using your spiritual gift, when the whole church are using their spiritual gifts, that's when we're advantageous together. But when we're isolated, and we're alone, and we're not together, there is no advantage. And so, listen, you have spiritual gifts. I mean, that's, that's what verse 7 says. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. You have a spiritual gift. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So not only do you have a spiritual gift, but God wants you to use the spiritual gift that you have. And so again, some of us might have the gift of teaching. Uh, uh, some of you might have the gift of encouragement. Some of you might have the gift of helps or, or the gift of serving or the gift of mercy or the gift of administration or, or, or this gift or that gift. But here's the picture. The picture, the, the whole point is that, you know what? There's someone in this body, 
Someone in this church body who needs what you've got. They need what you have. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but, but I'm just not really into church. Listen, you are the church. And, and, and you need the church, and the church needs you. There's someone in this church that needs what you have. I've heard people say, you know, I, you know I, I'm just not really getting anything out of this church. Well, let me ask you this. What are you putting into it? Because it's been said that church is like a bank. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. But I'll tell you this much, when, when you give your life to Jesus Christ and when you find out how you fit in the body of Christ, when you find out what your gift is and you start using your gift, you're never gonna have a lack of purpose again because you're gonna be used by the Spirit. But listen, for, for, for there to be a benefit to those around you, you need to know what your spiritual gift is and you need to start using your spiritual gift. So how do we find out what our spiritual gifts are? How do we get spiritual gifts? Where do we get our spiritual gifts? You know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, from taking one of those quote-unquote spiritual gift assessment tests. Have you seen these? You Google it, you'll find like a thousand of them. But they're all basically kind of the same, and I've shared this before, but, you know, they, they basically kind of have the, the same principles, and they, they'll say things like, you know what? Your spiritual gift will be something that you have a natural interest in, number one. Number two, it'll be something that you're good at. You, you could do it with very little thought. And number three, you know, others are always pointing it out. So you have a natural interest in it, you're good at it, and others are always pointing it out. Now listen, based on those three criteria, I discovered my spiritual gift. I discovered I have the spiritual gift of sin because I have a natural interest in it, I'm really good at it, and others are always pointing it out. <laughs> no, obviously we, we do not get our spiritual gifts from an assessment test. We get them from, from the Holy Spirit, right? That's why they're called the gifts of the Spirit. They're not called the gifts of the test. They're not called the gifts of assessment. They're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's how it works. Now, you know, sometimes maybe, maybe the, the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior, the moment you become a Christian, in that very moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you and gives you gifts. That's what happened in Acts chapter 10. When we read about a guy by the name of Cornelius, and, and, and as soon as Cornelius and his whole household believed in Jesus, in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and his whole household, and it says they spoke in tongues. Now, speaking in tongues was just the sign that they really did receive the Holy Spirit, but it happened instantly. The moment they believed in Jesus, they, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. But then again, Sometimes what will happen is, is you know, you, you believe in Jesus, but then later you receive the Holy Spirit. Separately, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's like the guys we talked about last week that the Apostle Paul bumped into from the city of Ephesus. He meets these guys, and, and in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so these were guys who obviously believed in Jesus. They had accepted Jesus. In fact, they were in the ministry. They're preaching the gospel of Jesus, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. But here's the point. The point is that sometimes you receive the Holy Spirit instantly, the moment you become a Christian. But there are other times where maybe you did not receive the Holy Spirit instantly, but later on you receive the Holy Spirit. But the point is that the gifts of the Spirit come from the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit come from the Spirit. And so you might say, well, 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 why do we need the Holy Spirit anyway? Why do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? Answer, because listen, to do spiritual work, you cannot do spiritual work without spiritual power. 
Or as Francis Chan put it in his book about the Holy Spirit titled The Forgotten God, which by the way, the men are going through on Thursday nights. Uh, but, but Francis Chan said, without the Holy Spirit, people operate in human strength and, and only accomplish human-sized results. Or as Jesus put it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now that word power, in the original it's the Greek word dunamis. We, we, we get words like dynamite and words like dynamic from it, but literally it's a word that simply means ability. It just means ability. He's saying, you will receive ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so what it's saying is that, you know what? It's, it, when, when his spirit comes upon you, it's his spirit that, that empowers you. It's his spirit that enables you. It's his spirit that gives you the ability to do his work. To do his work. Something else we see in the book of Acts is, is we see that the, that the spirit was poured out on believers again and again and again and again and again over and over again, reminding us that God gives refills. You know, kind of like, like the bottomless flies at Red Robin, right? That is if your server ever comes back. You ever notice they, they drop off the one basket of fries and they run? So theoretically, you might have bottomless fries, but listen, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives refills. I mentioned Dwight Moody earlier. Back in the 1800s, when Dwight Moody was serving him ministry, in the beginning of his ministry, it was, it was fruitless, it was dry, it was frustrating. That is until he met two women who prayed for him. And these women, they, they were named Auntie Cook and, and Mrs. Snow. And, and so they met with them, they talked about the Holy Spirit, and they prayed for him. And as they were praying for him, the Holy Spirit came upon him and, and, and transformed his ministry. And, and, and from that point on, he was never the same. In fact, in the end, he, he led over a million people to faith in Christ. Now, as Moody puts it, Moody says that he had more than one encounter with the Holy Spirit. He had multiple encounters with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him again and again. The Holy Spirit filled him over and over to the point that somebody once asked Dwight Moody, they said, why do you constantly need to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Why do you need to keep getting filled by the Holy Spirit? Moody just smiled and answered and said, because I leak. <laughs> because he keeps using you, he needs to keep filling you. Now, when it comes to being used by God, I love the way the Apostle Paul put it in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. The Apostle Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now notice, Paul didn't say, you know, the, the reason God chose me, the, the reason God uses me in his ministry is because he counted me talented, because he counted me intellectual, because he counted me so highly educated. He's not saying, hey, listen, the reason God chose me is because I graduated the top of my class, you know, magna cum rabbi. No, he says, he says two things. He says, he enabled me and he counted me faithful. Listen, he enabled me. Listen to this. When God uses me, it has nothing to do with me. Rather, it has everything to do with him. When God uses me, it has nothing to do with, with me and my abilities. Rather, it has everything to do with him and his abilities. He is enabling me. His Holy Spirit is the one in, in enabling you. His Holy Spirit is the one empowering you. His Holy Spirit is the one that is giving you the ability to do his work. It's been well said that, that God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. You just need to be available. And listen, if you're available, he will enable you.
And so that's number one. He enabled me. But then number two, Paul said, he counted me faithful. Now, in some translations, the word is rendered reliable. It's just a word that, that, that describes the kind of person that you can count on to always be there when you need them. And so the idea is, listen, the idea is God just saying, listen, he, he, he touches your heart. He, 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 he calls you to a certain area of ministry. He speaks to you. He, he calls you to a certain ministry. Why? Because he knows that he can count on you to answer the call. You know, kind of like the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, uh, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. And so in the same way, he, 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 he touches your heart. He speaks to you. He calls you. Why? Because he knows that you, you can be counted on to answer the call, that you can be counted on to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. And quite frankly, your background has nothing to do with it. Your background doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It does not matter what's been done to you. I mean, when you think about it, the Apostle Paul was a murderer and a terrorist. Timothy was a teenager. John the Baptist ate bugs. And, and, and Peter d denied the Lord three times. Then there's people like me. Listen, I, I was a hopeless, fatherless, suicidal teenage runaway. And I'm here to tell you that if God can use me, you better believe he can use you. If you're available. He will touch you. He will speak to you. He will call you. Why? Because he knows that you're faithful to, and reliable. He can count on you to answer the call. To say, here I am, send me. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.